Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned in to the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. As we enter the I Work For Him zone, it's important that you recognize I Work For Him is not a program you sign up for. I Work For Him is a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your paradigm. I Work For Him is a revolution that's happening in the workplace. It describes who I am and how I approach each and every day in the workplace. I hope soon it will be affecting you in the same way and how you look and with new eyes at your workplace. You know, I Work For Him is all about bringing the kingdom of God into places the kingdom is ignored. Your existence in the workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. God has given that workplace to you as your mission field. And in that workplace... You may be the only Jesus your co-workers and employees may ever meet. You know, why should you keep listening to the I Work For Him show? Why should you tune in every day? It's simple. Each day, we promise to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical. Those ways that you can help to help you incorporate your faith into your workplace through interviews, discussions, and just all-around entertaining conversations. You know, I don't come to you as an expert, only as one guy trying to live my life transparently for others in order to help equip you in your workplace ministry. But in order to do that, we all need a paradigm shift. We all need to have God renew our thinking. And as it says in Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I'd like to welcome you to the I Work For Him Zone. You may never be the same. I want to be your In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you guests and discussions that will challenge the way you think about your faith at work, today is going to be different than any other show we've ever done before because today we're talking about how Hollywood was impacted for Christ through the making of the Dolphin Tale movies. We have David Yates, the Executive Director of the Clearwater Marine Aquarium, joining us today in studio live. Yes, that's right. I'm back in Tampa Bay today. No more Minnesota Tundra talk. That's right. It's 75 and gorgeous here. All right, before I I can bring to David, I want to read this verse from Genesis. Actually, Genesis 1, 20 through 23, because this is all about what David does each and every day. If God hadn't done this, he wouldn't have a job. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth and across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply in the earth so it was so the evening and the morning were the fifth day 
David Yates, welcome to the I Work For Him show. Jim, thanks for being here. And by the way, that did happen. Yes, it did. <laughs> it's true. Absolutely true. And, and unfortunately, we've, we've well, not unfortunately, but fortunately, we've still got a lot of those fish left. I know we've eaten some of them way beyond, you know, where that we should have, but I'm sure they were very tasty. <laughs> you know, we before we get started really talking about what God's doing in Hollywood and how God's used the Clearwater Marine Aquarium and David Yates to make an impact for Jesus Christ. Please talk today first about how Jesus Christ is making an impact on your life. Well, listen, I became a Christian when I was, I got saved when I was 14 years old. So I've been a Christian for about 40 years now, and God's changing my life every single day. I'm learning new lessons every day. And I think the biggest lesson I'm learning right now today in my life is just making sure I hear God's voice. And I don't miss, mm, I've, I've missed too many things where I go left and he said, no, you're supposed to go right. So just making <laughs> sure daily we're listening to what he tells us to do, because God will speak in a very quiet voice many times. I'm trying to make sure I don't miss that. So that's kind of my lesson for the week right now. There is, that is right. There is no scripture where it says God yelled. That's correct. That's that, that, that God speaks in that still small voice. And, and I got to tell you, almost every day, I'm not, I, I miss some days, but I pray to, that the Holy Spirit would teach me to hear his voice and then that I would listen and then I would be obedient. Well, it's interesting because as Christians, knowing who God, how, you just read a verse about how God created the man and God created the universe. He did all, he's an awesome God, controls stars billions of light years away. So we think he's going to be this big, loud guy. But he speaks in a very quiet voice, and he wants us to listen. So for me, I'm a fast-moving guy. I just have to sometimes just shut the door, be quiet, and say, what did God tell me today, or I'll miss it. So, <laughs> so just learning to be quiet and listening is my biggest challenge. Yeah, and people are going to think we're having a competition for who could talk the fastest on the radio. I think I finally <laughs> met my competition for who can talk just as fast as I can. We're going to get two hours in this one hour. That's, That's right. Goals. That's right. All right. So, you know, it's... You're a super high energy person, as that's uh, obvious. Do you ever sit still? Well, do you? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, only when I'm sleeping. <laughs> I'm the same. Listen, I've been this way since day one. My wife has learned to live with this. I'm a very high energy kind of guy, very type A personality. That's just who I am. Uh, my biggest challenge is, matter of fact, my wife doesn't even like, I think she's listening, but doesn't like walking with me because I walk too fast. So it's just <laughs> how I do things. So I'm learning to tone it down a little bit and dial back a little bit. That's just that's just who I am. So. What's funny, I, I married a woman who's five foot tall, and so she has to take two steps for every one of mine, but she's learned to walk fast. And what's funny is my kids all walk fast, and that's because when they were little, I'd hold onto their hand and I just would drag them. Dragged them. Just drag them along. You did that too. I did that too. And they all remind me, now, Dad, you kind of drug us when we were kids. So we we had no choice but to just keep up with you. So we have the scars in the leg from our <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. So, you know, this is very rarely do we get an opportunity to talk about the environment on the I Work For yeah. Him show. And what's yeah. really cool is to recognize that a lot of Christians really struggle with environmentalism. I don't know why. God created the environment. Well, and unfortunately, those, for the most part, those that are non-Christ followers have adopted the environment. And the Christ followers have said, well, because they have, we can't. I, I deal with that issue every day. Jim, you're right on. It's interesting. And God put me in a place uh, of great visibility in the conservation movement worldwide. And uh, it's interesting because yeah, I think what happens is as Christians, we see a lot of environmentalists. They kind of go too far. And as Romans says, they worship the creation and not the creator. So they take a little mm-hmm. bit too far and then they, they'll, they'll worship the animals and the, the trees, whatever it is. And they won't worship the creator. So we kind of repel from that and say, you know, they're wrong, they're wrong. But in reality, we have a lot in common. And in, in my conversations I have today with conservationists all around the world, environmentalists, they kind of like the fact that there's a Christian here that kind of understands part of their issue. So I'm trying to be a bridge in some way, because there is a lot of commonality. Listen, God made everything, as you just read. He made the animals, the earth, the environment, whatever it is. As Christians, we have a responsibility to respect that and take care of that. So my role is, is a little bit unique for a Christian, but I think God has me here for a reason. 
Well, I mean, it's it's so awesome because to recognize the fact we were we were we were put here to cultivate and conquer the earth, right. but not to destroy the earth. Exactly. And, and there was a lo- there was a lot of years. I mean, you, you look at the seventies. You know, you couldn't swim in any of the Great Lakes because right. we had destroyed them. You could, the re- could walk on them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you still can't really swim in the Mississippi River. I flew over it last night. It's still pretty brown. Uh, but you know, we've made some huge strides in learning about it. But we had kind of just scalped the earth, and there's still still some spots. But it, but it's cool to recognize that. God made our earth renewable. Right. I mean, he really did. He did. I mean, if you leave a piece of fallow ground alone, it will recover. If he over did, time. we wouldn't be here today. Right. And what's interesting is you talk about, well, and also the global warming movement becomes a big issue right now. Well, no, they, it, it, because it got colder, they don't yeah. call it that anymore. They just call it climate yeah, change. Climate, it's changed. Because, it, because now it right. went from global warming to now they're thinking the next ice age is coming yeah. again. Yeah. For well, the, well, what's happened is that the issue of environmentalism and conservationism has gone from being a practical issue to a political issue. When it becomes political, everybody takes sides. And that's kind right. of what's happening right now. But, no, it's interesting because I have meetings and, and campaigns I'm leading worldwide right now on conservation movements, and I'm a believer in Christ. That's so unusual. But God did that on purpose, and it gives me a platform right now that many people might not have. So kind of interjecting me into that circle and giving me an area of leadership has really been an interesting move for me because I get a lot of talks. I get Listen, I hear the evolution conversation every single day. I'm a creationist. I'm not an evolutionist. And somebody in my position uh, globally leading conservation movements that's a, a, not an evolutionist is very unique in that sense. So it, it generates some very interesting conversations. But what's interesting is I think what I found out again is a lot of individuals that are not Christians in this movement, in the uh, environmental movement and so on, kind of like the fact that somebody is, as a believer, that is a Christian, that they're not, is now kind of in their area. So it's kind of bridged some gaps in some ways. I, I, it's fantastic, because that's, that's a place we needed to be yeah. because of the truth. I mean, how, right. I mean, the environment makes sense. Animals make sense. The whole you know, circle of life makes sense with right. God that's right. at the center of it all. That's right. I mean, that's the right. Lion King movie actually makes sense when you put God at the center exactly. of it all. So, yeah, I think what happened is... I, 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 I should have yeah. said, the Dolphin Tale movie also makes more sense because that's what we're here to all talk good, about. All good family movies. But what happened, I think, is it's, uh, the, the environmentalists a lot of times take it too far. And as Christians, we, we, look, we see God's Word, and you get away from God's Word, you get in trouble. Right. And when you start really worshiping the creation and not the Creator, that's what's happened a lot. So, And, and as Christians, we kind of repel from that. God kind of interjected me right in the middle of it again. Now, you, you ended up at the Clearwater Marine Aquarium. That's an interesting road. And eventually, God then thrust you into Hollywood. So let's first start. How did you get to the Clearwater Marine Aquarium? Because this wasn't what you grew up to do, was it? I have no idea how I got there. Well, interesting. We actually raised our kids going to the aquarium when they were young. So they, they went there many times. And the aquarium got in trouble financially about 10 years ago. And I was asked by the board to do a turnaround. So I came on board, really did a turnaround. Figured I'd stay there for a year, do a turnaround, and then move on to something else that God had for me. And literally, this is where the providential story, this is where God's plan started coming into place. Literally, winter the dolphin arrived about exactly the same time I did. So, so I, I arrive at the aquarium to do, start doing my work. I start hearing about this young dolphin we just rescued. And I said, well, what? Tell me more about this. So God just brought me there at the right time. Uh, and I really didn't plan on staying very long. Had no goals of any major movies and things in the early days. But I just showed up and God made it very clear. That's where I want you to go. So that's where I went. Just like that. Just like that. But yeah. had you ever worked in an aquarium before? Never. Never had. I had. It was, it was a brand new role for me. I'd been a CEO before, uh, but I never worked in an aquarium before. So I had no marine biology background, it was, but I had a strong business background. I knew how to turn around organizations. So I kind of had the turnaround aspect going. And uh, one of my boys, it was a huge Crocodile Hunter fan back in the 90s. We watched mm. all the TV shows and all the DVDs. I can probably, probably lip sync half the shows still today. 
Crikey. And, and, and he's kind of, he's, exactly, he's kind of like, hey, Dad, you need to take that. So um, it was, God made it very, there's another job I was looking for at the same time that God shut the door. And I thought, well, God, why'd you shut the door? I've been great at that. He shut the door and about a week later this opened up and that's where I went. He made it clear to do it. And I had no idea at the time what was going to happen. No clue. It's fantastic. I had a vision, but I had no idea what God was going to do at that point. (laughs) It's awesome. All right, listen, when we come back, we've got David Yates, the executive director of the Clearwater Marine Aquarium, in studio today. And we're going to talk about how did Dolphin Tale come about and how did Christ get put at the center of that movie, which is so fantastic considering how Hollywood, the state of Hollywood today. But, you know, David, as we we head into the break, I I just think it's fantastic that you've been given an opportunity that few Christians are rarely given. And I want to really talk about that in the next segment of the show. All right. We just got started talking with David Yates, the executive director of the Clearwater Marine Aquarium. And we, we heard from his heart on his testimony and how God's been moving. And now, David, I think the audience wants to hear. How did Dolphin Tale come about, and how did Christ get put at the center of that movie? Well, at some time, at some point in my life, I'll write a book about this because mm-hmm. the way this, the way the first getting a movie made is really one in a billion. How many people, how many listeners have had a movie made about their life? It doesn't happen very often, so it's, it's a rarity. God did so many things to make this happen. It was a. It went, the long story short, I put a um, a massive media campaign out about Winter back in 2007. I saw her story being an amazingly compelling story. And uh, I realized, that, and I used to work for the Iron Man Company back in the 90s, so I knew media, I worked with NBC, so I knew how to get the media engaged and stuff. And I took her story and launched it out to the media, and it just mushroomed around the world. And uh, it went from being a small local story about a young dolphin who lost her tail and survived to a global story overnight. Literally within two days, we were in every newspaper in the world. We were in the national newspaper of India. Uh, we had, within two years, we had, we had, so we had a two-year massive media campaign that kind of built her story around the world. If you don't know what her story is, she's a young dolphin that lost her tail in a crab trap accident, and uh, her tail came off. Uh, we rescued, we're about marine life rescue at the Quarium. That's one of our major goals. And her tail came off, and she didn't have a tail. Well, dolphins can't really survive without a tail. It's like us not having any body parts at all. And she, she, she just found ways to overcome her obstacles, her goals, learned to swim in a brand new way. We eventually got her prosthetic tail. So that story was just a very warm story about a young dolphin who refused to give up. And people love to hear inspirational stories like that. So it just took off around the world and, and went from there. So it really started out as a local story and just mushroomed around the world. Wow. Okay, so how did it... But where'd the movie come around? Okay, so the movie mushroomed around the world. So how did you come up with that? He's like, hmm, well, maybe we should, since it's so popular, let's do a movie. I mean, is that what you came up with? I mean, Here's or- the next step. So what I did is I had really had, once I saw Winter's story, I turned to my staff and said, this story can really inspire millions of kids around the world if you do this right. Now, I got some funny looks like, yeah, but Mr. Yates, do we get paid on Friday type looks? Because <laughs> at that time, the Clearwater Marine Aquarium was really on its last legs. Yeah, I was ready to close. I was, I was asked to come on and do a turnaround. And when I got there, it was about three months away from closing down. So it was pretty much on the last leg. And so, but I saw her story and said, this is, and I, and I know media stories as well. I said, this can really be an inspiring story. So I, as I mentioned, I put together a media campaign. What happened is I had three goals with the winner's story. I wanted to have a documentary, which I've done two on her already. I wanted to have a book, which we've done. And my goal is to have a major motion picture. Why not? Why not dream big, right? Who, who cares? So long story short, I was talking to an individual in New York who is who I did the first book with. He's also a movie producer. He said, you know what, maybe I'll look at this. But his studio didn't have a lot of interest. He wasn't sure. Well, on one of my NBC Today Show pieces, I had five Today Show pieces on Winter in the last four or five years. And the first one, first or second one was seen by a gentleman who just called me on my phone, by the way, in California as a producer named Richard Ingber. He saw one of my Today Show pieces on Winter Story in his 
in his uh, his uh, room at home and said, you know what, that might be a great movie. Let me call these guys up. So while I'm talking to another guy about making this a possible movie, they call me up. That's Alcon Entertainment, who made a movie called The Blind Side, for example, mm-hmm. well-known company. Yes. Very great movie, too. Yeah, and they, uh, they called me up and said, let's talk. And it kind of went from there, and we spent movies again, are against all odds. So we signed an option agreement with them, but it took three and a half years to get to the point of even filming Dolphin Tale. Um, but really, what happened is the media drove the interest. They saw us, they called us up, and uh, we went from there. So how did Christ get to be at the center of that project? Because that's yeah. the cool story. As I was sitting down with you at the aquarium last month, I mean, you started talking about how how is the movie, you decide the movie is going to go forward and you start getting actors and actresses applying for the positions or however that's called, you know, developing the cast for casting. the movie. Casting. <laughs> that's it. You casting. Oh. See, I'm th- I, well, I'm just thinking casting to me is like catching fish. You know, you're cat- well, really, that's what you're doing. There you go. You're out there trying to find the right people. That's and right. you ended up with an incredible Christ-centered uh, cast. We, we did. Well, let me just say this. The first movie, well, both movies are so, I could spend hours talking about how providentially God led us mm-hmm. and so, so many things had to happen. What I describe is for Dolphin Tale, for the first movie to happen, we had to have, we had to jump over a hundred major hurdles. And if you missed one hurdle, the movie wouldn't happen. So just providentially, God just kept knocking those hurdles down. So both movies are just God's providence left and right. For I'll give you one example. There is a thing called film incentives that every state has. Well, most states have. And that's an incentive tax that the states offer to studios to come film in their state because the benefits of filming in their areas. And Florida had none. And Governor Christ at that time in May of 2010 uh, signed a bill to increase the film incentives in Florida. This happened in May of 2010. Just, I mean, literally just in time for a four-week period, we had to get Dolphin Tail greenlit. If that hadn't happened, the movie wouldn't have happened. So I, I have a thousand things that had happened. That God just had them happen exactly at the right time. But to the people, what you mentioned is, here's what's really neat, is the, the movie was put out, my movie partner is Alcon Entertainment. Warner Brothers is a distribution partner, but the company I made the movie with is Alcon Entertainment. They're, they're a self-standing company. Great people, great friends. And, but it's not a Christian company. It's just a standard Hollywood company. But great people, good friends. And they started hiring these individuals that, you know, we, we hired Cozy Zulsdorf, who plays Hazel in the Dolphin mm-hmm. Tale movies. We hired Nathan Gamble, who plays Sawyer, the boy in the Dolphin Tale movies. We hired a lady named Austin Highsmith, who plays Phoebe, our dolphin trainer in the movies. And I found out as we got this set, these are all believers. I mean, strong. these are real strong. And we've become dear friends since then. So just God providentially... This wasn't a Christian movie sent out to set out to be a Christian movie, but God working through the way He does through anybody uh, put together a strong group of Christians that just we, we we turned and went, wow, we didn't do that. God did that. So that was really neat to see. And I'll say this uh, about the the kid stars, Cozy Zilsdorf and Nathan Gamble. They're dear friends. Cozy was here last week, by the way. Just launched a CD, and these are they're, they're strong. You hear a lot about the bad part of Hollywood and the kids that go wild. I won't say any names here, but we all know what happens. Mm-hmm. And, and and I almost said a few, but I decided not to. So uh, I won't go there right now. But these two, they're not they're not kids. They're now sixteen years old, but they were kids back when we did the first movie. Yeah. They turned down a lot of roles because they comp- they will not compromise themselves. And Cozy, I know, and Nathan have turned down a lot of roles. And a lot of kids would go, oh, my gosh, I have to take that. Mm-hmm. So that was just neat to see God kind of build that Christian influence into a movie that wasn't planned in that sense early on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think that's fantastic. When you were so, so, uh, you know, most people don't recognize, first of all, your workplace is already a cool workplace. I mean, you, you, you got animals all over the place. You got you got the dolphins I, outside my window. What can I say? Yeah, you got dolphins outside your window. You got sea turtles. You got uh, well, I've been through that. You got the, otters, otters, fish. You got it all. You sharks. got sharks. 
Hmm. Yeah, I mean, keep going. I mean, you, I mean, you got the, and, they, and they pay me to do this. Stingrays, you got the whole, you get the whole, de- and they pay you to play with animals all day long. Although you probably never ever get to play with the animals, uh, and but then you ended up doing a movie, and most people don't under- recognize. Yeah. So first of all, your workplace, the place where you do ministry, the Clearwater Marine Aquarium. I mean, that's where, that's your that's full where time. God has me. That's right? where I am. Right. Yeah. So how many people do you have on staff there? Well, let's put it this way: when I started in 2006, we had about 30 to 35 people. Today, we have about 225. How many of those are volunteers? Well, no. On, t- on top, those are that, the paid employees. People. On top of that, we have about a thousand volunteers. The community's been great, mm. uh, so it, we've really been. The work is very compelling work when you're working with animals. But at some point, I want to talk about the work we do with kids. We do a lot of work with kids that really have had their lives really inspired by Winter Story. So when you do that, people just congregate to that kind of work. Well, you can talk about it right now. Go ahead and talk about well, it. Well, what's neat about what got here's what's interesting about Dolphin Tail is it, Dolphin Tail is less about Winter's tail and her prosthetic tail. Those are all components we use in the movies. It's more about the impact that winter has made to inspire young kids. And we have, there, this lily has become a pilgrimage from kids all around the world that, have, that are autistic, that are going through chemotherapy. And I can tell you a story. We, get th- we had 10,000 emails the first day Dolphin Tail, the first day Dolphin Tail came out back in 2011. 10,000 emails that day. And most of those were parents saying, this is how winter inspired my child who's going through chemotherapy, who's going through major surgeries, who's having heart issues. Uh, Wounded soldiers we work with. So it's amazing how God used this. In early days, I'm thinking, this is going to seem cheesy. Can God really use a dolphin to inspire people? It's amazing what he has done. Everybody loves dolphins. Well, and it's been been beyond being cheesy. We had a young man. Can I tell one story? I'll give you one. I can tell these stories for nine years. (laughs) Really, it's, it's crazy. But... We had a young boy named uh, uh, named Avery that is has cystic fibrosis, and he's nine years old. He lives in North Carolina, and uh, he is very very sick, and is not given much longer to live. And his mom, the doctor told his mom, "Listen, you just need to take him home and let him, you know, die peacefully." And she basically said, "Forget that." She drove all night. His lifetime goal, nine year old kid, was to meet one of the dolphins. So his his lifetime goal. So she took him, drove all night from North Carolina, drove all night to come visit us. And he got to come and spend some time swimming with Winter. Completely got, I mean, he just, he lit up. He sleeps 22 hours a day. And we just we just saw Dot Winter just completely change his day from that perspective. It's it very, very inspiring. That happens every every day around the aquarium. So it's amazing how God can take a little dolphin and inspire a young boy. And that happens every day. It's really, that's the coolest thing about the work we do. I remember seeing a promotional video, I think at one point, where you were talking about the people that have been yeah. inspired and touched. And it was very emotional for me to watch it because yeah. I was just seeing them get... Um, get hope and get encouragement yeah. from the fact that that dolphin can work hard yeah. and still swim and do that. You know, just what an inspiration it is to them. And there's right. there's something very peaceful about dolphins. That's I mean, right. well, a they're perfect day smiling. for me is a day when I see the right. dolphins coming out of the oh, water. Yeah. You know, well, they're very, the, they're the very disarming. And kids kids connect to that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, literally, I can tell literally thousands and thousands of mm-hmm. stories about God's used this dolphin. To, I mean, we, I, I don't know how much time we have. I'll do whatever you want to do time wise. But I can tell stories forever about. We have Make-A-Wish visits every day at the aquarium. We have kids wow. travel from around the world. That, that, they, they just connect to her because yeah. every kid feels a little bit not good about themselves. Mm-hmm. Whether you have a prosthetic leg or you're autistic or you're just overweight or you're getting bullied at school, whatever it is, every kid has a little bit of inferiority complex. And they just they look at winner and go, you know what? She's different. She's but she's not shy. She's not ashamed. Mm-hmm. She's not cowering in the corner. She's living her life. You know what? I can do that. And we've had wounded soldiers we work. We work at the VA. Mm-hmm. We bring in wounded soldiers all the time. They just, I mean, they, these are battle-hardened men and women that are in battle. 
right. get injured, come here, and they kind of give up on life. And 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 we've watched a winner. They realize, you know what? If this little dolphin can do this, I can get up and move on. And that's mm-hmm. crazy. But that's what happens every day. So that really is a cool part. And that's a ministry in that sense. So mm-hmm. Hey, we've been talking with David Yates, the executive director of the Clearwater Marine Aquarium. And as most of you have heard of, the director of, I mean, you got credit as the director of the movie, right? Producer. Producer of both movies. Of Dolphin Tale and Dolphin Tale 2. And how many of you knew the God side of Dolphin Tale and Dolphin Tale 2? No, you get it right here on the I Work For Him show. Okay, David, you were saying right before the break that you'd start talking about all the the ways that uh, winter has impacted people's lives. Okay, so you produce a fantastic movie, you get a huge following around the world, but you got a sequel out of the deal. I mean, how did that, I mean, you were saying in the break that, you know, sequels to real movies don't usually happen because you put it all on the paper. Right, right. But you got a sequel. Yeah, it was really, you talk about God's providence. Again, I could spend hours, it's just so many things God did to do this, but to, to kind of give context, there's never been a sequel to a real life movie ever. There's a lot of movies inspired by real-life stories in the marketplace because they do very well. People like warm, real-life inspired stories, but there's never been a sequel to any of those movies in the past because when, if, you, if you have a script that is good enough to be, get greenlit for a movie, which is a big investment by the studio, it's got to be a really good story. A lot, of, a lot of great stories never get to be made movies. So what are the odds? And if, if, you have a, if you have a real-life movie, the sequel cannot be a fake movie. It has to be inspired by real-life stories. What are the odds of that happening? It's never happened before in Hollywood. Never before has there been a sequel to real-life stories. So when Dolphin Tale came out, it did well. The studio, the good friends said, hey, Dave, we love you, good stuff, knock on wood, great success, but there's no chance for the sequel. I said, well, just give me a chance. So, so here's what happened. So here's how this came about. So we're having the rap party to Dolphin Tail. Rap party, it's, it's W-A-R-P, by the way, not R-A-P. It's, just not, it's not a rap <laughs> music party. I don't, I don't do yeah. rap very well, so yeah. we're doing that. Neither do I. We're having the rap Ivan party. can do that for us later. There you go. Let's do that later on. So, And it was, a, it was held at the restaurant right next door to the aquarium. So the last day of filming of Dolphin Tail, the last day, um, at five o'clock, I go home to change clothes, and I get a call from my team, from Bob Ingham, one of my fellow producers, saying, "Hey, we got the last shot. We're wrapped. We're good." I'll, I say, "Great. I'll see you at the party." Ten minutes, so ten minutes after wrapping a four-year project, we get a call saying, "There's a baby dolphin being rescued on the east coast of Florida, and if, it's, if it survives, it's going to be brought to you guys for rehabilitation." We thought, "Okay, that's what we do. Great." But we didn't think it would make it. Baby dolphins rarely survive rescues, so we thought, "Well, it's probably not going to happen." But just in case, we got the tanks ready. We brought a crane in to lift it up to the water and stuff. And then we go to the party next door at the restaurant saying goodbye to Harry Connick and Cozy and Nathan and everybody else. Well, sure enough, throughout the night, we kind of wait. Well, at 11.15 that night, the dolphin arrives in a, in a van. We're like, you're kidding me. It survives. So it comes in. And so the cast and crew got to watch us that night within a couple hours of wrapping the movie, bring in a real dolphin, which only happens every five years. Hmm. Well, long story short, that dolphin was now the basis for our sequel. So that night when, the dolphin, when that dolphin came in, I knew at that point that as Christians, we know when, when God's moving, you, you know something's happening. And the dolphin arrived, and my first thought was, God's going to give me a sequel. Hmm. That's the first thought I had that night. And it, people are like, what did you just say? What? And three years later, that we ended up with a sequel that features the dolphin. Her name is now Hope. Of course, Dolphin Tale 2 is about winner's story also, but their relationship. So uh, beginning a sequel, it's the first time ever in Hollywood history. And God just gave us all the elements. And we had to, we'd have, had to have some money from the state. So about another 100 hurdles we had to get over again. But it's amazing how just time after time things happen. And then we had to have the cast. We had to, you have to have the same cast come back. You can't bring in new people this time. And what are the odds of getting Morgan Freeman, Harry Connick, Ashley Judd, Chris Christopherson, Cozy Nathan, all these guys to fit into their schedule in a three-month period doing a second movie? 
So just so many things had to happen. It was just extraordinary. But the fact that Hope arrived during the rap party was just uncanny. You know, mm. when they say truth is greater than fiction, you could not have made that up. You know, we, it was, I use that line all the yeah. time. You're exactly right. It's exactly the case. Right on. That's so, great. Well, it's that's all, the way our God works. It, yeah. I mean, he doesn't want to be outdone by Hollywood. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> and the cameras were still there, probably. And Well, you know, people actually thought we were filming a night scene. We're like, oh. no, no, we're done filming. This is real life. No. And, and then people thought, well, Yates, you're pulling a gag on us, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a real dolphin, right? But like you said, when God does things, you just sit. I told you, Jim, before we got on the air, my job just not to mess up what he's doing. If I can just you know, see what he's doing and not get in the way, I'll be happy. And he did some things that were just – and there's another hundred stories like that I could tell you about how God caused these movies to come about. And what's neat about these movies is not the fact that I was involved in CMA. That, that's, but that's that great. is neat. That's cool. Well, it's neat. But the fact is – Yes, they're positive family films. There's no language, no sex. Anybody can watch these, and that doesn't happen too often in Hollywood. You'll even find family movies, these quote-unquote family films, where you have swear words and suggestive things. It's like, why do we have that? So mm-hmm. what's neat is we made films. Because Hollywood doesn't well, get it, and for that's, the most part. And that happens a lot. So what's neat is with the influence that we had over this, and, and my partners agreed, uh, and I think it's one reason God honored this. We didn't have any of that in there. And that's, that's awesome. Wonderful. I mean, the reason I say Hollywood doesn't understand, we look at the Passion of the Christ, spot on biblical, $400 million plus, plus, plus. I think it was $2 billion when he was all done. Yeah. And it was spot on biblical. Then they came out with Exodus. I don't know. I'm going to go to, what was the last one they came out Moses. with? Moses. No. Moses. It wasn't Moses. Not even close. <laughs> not even close to biblical. Noah. Again, another bomb. Now they got Exodus yeah, coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Noah, they blew that story. Yeah. Exodus are coming up. They just don't understand if it was truth is better than the garbage they come up with. You know, it's interesting. Anytime Hollywood gets behind a, a biblical character, it's like, watch out what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because clearly it's about making money first and foremost. But what's neat, here's what's neat, though. On a positive note, my partner, Alcon Entertainment, their next movie is a film on Hillsong. Mm. Really? And uh, I know the guys, so I was kind of involved behind the scenes. It's going to be released in March or April. It's going to be a real life. It's a documentary type film. It's going to be a theatrical release, though, about Hillsong. So it's neat to see them get things like that done occasionally. But yeah, when you talk about the typical uh, Hollywood portrayal of biblical characters, when I see that, I kind of go, okay. Like Noah, for example, was just, I, I, I heard about the buzz about the movie. And I said, I got to go watch this, see what it was. I'm like, mm. Is this anywhere in the Bible? Is any of this in the Bible at all? So that's kind of what well, you Well, there mean. was a boat, animals, and, and water. And there was water, correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. No, that's about as far as it <laughs> really true. went. Yeah. All right. So well, you can only hope that it drew people to the scriptures to find, to really read the story. That's yeah, all. God can use you anything. Know. Sure. Yeah. Sure, you bet. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, what I want to go back to, because you, know, you, you were part of something that God did. You know, you, you you were drawn to the Clearwater Marine Aquarium, not because you're an environmentalist, not because you're a naturalist, not because you were because you were a CEO that was familiar with turnarounds and the Clearwater Marine Aquarium was in trouble. How did your faith besides? The, I mean, God produced two miracles, a dolphin yeah. tail and dolphin tail, too. But dolphin tail didn't was 2011 is when you yeah. said it was released. Yeah. Right. So you took over in 2006. You had to generate income all the way to 2011 yeah. before right. the movie released. How did God use your faith? as a center of the turnaround for the well, Clearwater Marine Corps. No, that's a great question. I think the first thing I would say is, you know, as Chris, I say this, I speak a lot. And one of the things I say is, I will take God's favor over the advice of 100 Donald Trumps and Warren Buffetts any day of the week. As Christians, we have a great benefit, which is we have God's favor. And we can say, God, I need help. Because I realize, I, first of all, I wasn't looking for this role. God led me to it. And, uh, and when I started, I realized, I was told by the board how bad, CMA was in all kinds of trouble. It had financial trouble. I mean, the volunteers were leaving, donors were leaving, inspection problems. It really was ready to collapse. And I, when, when, I, when I got involved, I realized, God, what am I, what am I, what am I doing here? What, what did you give me here? 
And I just said, I need, I need to know, I need to develop a plan. What is that? And God just gradually worked out a plan. Within 15 months, we got voted the nonprofit of the year in the Tampa Bay area, 15 months before we were ready to close. So God just helped me find some business ideas. And listen, I'm going to say it again. Winter's story was that primary idea. I, I realize it's a great story that tells what we're about. So if I can tell Winter's story, get out to the media, it's going to drive our donations, our revenues, our visits, and so on. So I had to find a tool to really raise out the ashes, and, and God gave me Winter's story. Because, again, Winter arrived almost right when I did. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, years apart. I mean, I'd arrive and she just got there. I'm like, you're kidding me. So that was very providential. So I just had to rely on God to give me. I knew he brought me there. And I, I know I needed his favor, and I had to do something quick. And he brought me Winter Story. He said, "Take it and run with it." And that's what I did. So, when, but as as the CEO, or as, as you're a CEO, you're you're, norm, you're used to turnarounds. You're the executive director. How, you know, and you have thirty people on staff. How did you incorporate your faith into your daily workplace? As everybody knew, hey, this is a turn it or turn it or burn it kind yeah. of a deal. Well, I think God God put me out on the limb because again, this the odds of this thing wasn't going to happen. And my concern was, I don't want to take a job and find out four months later I, I I burned it down and I was the guy that took the ship down. That the, I'm, 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 <laughs> Not I'm, real good on the resume. I don't want to be the uh, the guy doing the Titanic at that point. So I literally just had to rely on God moment by moment, and everybody around me knew that. And I just I went home to my wife and said, Listen, I need I need this is tough. It's going to be a big challenge right now. So really for me. But you know what? I wasn't afraid. I wasn't scared. I, I enjoy a challenge. And I knew God brought me there. So I, I, just, I just had confidence. That if God brought me here, he didn't bring me here to fail. And I just worked on that. I walked in there every day. Isn't that the truth? If God put you there, he has a plan. Correct. He had a, he had a plan for how it was going to work, but you didn't know what that was. Right. He had a plan for what you're supposed to do, but he didn't tell you. Yeah. And, and he had a plan for it, and he was going to provide for it. Yeah. But he just said, trust me, day to day. Yeah, someday, someday, sometimes God will give us a vision of what's coming maybe six months down the line. Sometimes it's six hours. Uh, like in my case, my job is to be a visionary. So I have a lot of, a lot of plans for CMA, and I dreamt a lot. So you have to be a visionary as a CEO. But still, sometimes God will give you, you know, here's the next day, just walk in faith. And sometimes it's like, okay, you see the next year, now go for it. In those early days, I was like, it was, it was, it was one hour at a time. So it really builds your faith. But I've learned so much just rely on, on if God called me to do this, he's going to make it happen. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Do you value every member of your business team? The president or general manager may be the leader and the most visible member of the team, but every employee has an important role to play and every individual is worthy of being valued. Take a few minutes to evaluate each member of your team. Write down one or more of their primary strengths and at least one area in which you are grateful for their contribution. Make a point of telling each person what you appreciate about them and how their efforts enhance the success of the business and your department. Genuine praise brings encouragement to the soul. If you develop a habit of noticing what your employees do well and take time to verbalize your appreciation of their efforts, staff morale will improve and your business team will be strengthened. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And now we're going to talk about the persecuted church. David, welcome back to the I Work For Thanks. Him show. Appreciate you having me. All right. So, you know, as as part of the vision God's laid on my heart, you know, every Christian business person should have a a ministry that they're passionate yes. about, a ministry that, you know, God provides for them an income and then where to put their their gifts, their talents and abilities and their cash behind a ministry so that they can make an impact with what they've been given. 
And for you, it's been the persecuted church, you said, in Southeast Asia. Yeah, and Pakistan. And Pakistan. No, I'm a firm believer, and I'll I'll, I'll add something to what you said. I think that, you know, I look at my role in my, I work because obviously I enjoy working. It's what God's called me to do, and that's our responsibility. But also, I see my work as really a way to pave my way to my ministry efforts. And uh, I, God put in my heart about 50, almost 20 years ago now, working with the persecuted church in Southeast Asia, in Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, and also Pakistan. I was in Pakistan a year and a half ago. Um, so I see my, my work at CMA is, as a way to I want to develop revenue that I can use to help with these ministries. But also, let me add something to what you said. I think what God's calling businessmen and women to do, or, or whatever you do, is whatever your profession is, whether you're a graphic designer, nurse, doctor, banker, whatever it is, Whatever it is, find a way to plug that into ministry somehow. Because you don't have to have a lot of money. If you can't donate money, fine, fine. But take the tools and the skill sets you have, and beyond using it for your profession, which is great, you need to do that, find ways to plug that into ministry efforts. So what I do for these efforts around the world is I help raise money. I run the business side. I, I help them organize all aspects of the kind of the marketing aspects of what they do. And I let them go in the field and do the work. And I just love that. That, to me, is the greatest honor I have. So, you know, Dolphin Tail is cool. That's neat. I love all those things. People think you must love that, hanging with Morgan Freeman and Harry Connick and all these guys. That's cool. That's great. They're just people. There you go. But if it gives me a platform where I can have the visibility to help these ministries out, that's my goal. God didn't put me on this platform to be seen around the world just to use for me. Mm. It's to use for whatever he puts in front of me. And these ministries are, and I, and I, every weekend I go, almost every night I go home, I'm involved in these ministries by doing some stuff online. So I just encourage people to take whatever you do in your life, whatever your skill set is, whatever it is, you can use that in missions. Uh, first of all, your mission field is your, 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 your home and your workplace, but take your skill sets and use them. That's what I try and do. You know, so, I don't know if you've, go ahead. Oh, just, so many ministries always have needs, you know, That's because right. they are somebody with a passion that has started um, servicing a need somewhere and sharing the gospel somewhere. That's right. But there's always that need because there's so much of it is tied to resources. It is. If they can't pay a marketer, right. how are they going to tell more people about what they're doing in a way that is engaging because they just don't That's have right. the expertise? So yeah. I love that because God has gifted you in a way yeah. that you can perpetuate through those ministries. I'll, I'll give you a quick, quick example. The guy I work with in Vietnam is is a, I won't give a story, it's a great, great story. He's a former Vietnamese South, South Vietnamese officer. He left Vietnam, came to the United States, became a Christian, went back in his ministry. So, And I saw him trying to raise money. He spent like hour, and I'm thinking, this is not what his gift is. And mm-hmm. he just struggled at doing this. And I'm thinking, I'm going to take it over. I'm going to raise the money for him and let him spend all this time doing what God called him to do, Amen. which is to minister in the field. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what you're talking about. You're just finding ways. Yeah. That, you know, I see young kids joining ministries when they're 25 years old, trying to raise money for two years. They don't know how to do that. Let's find ways to help them take our skill sets, help them so they can do what God called them to do. That's what I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Well, what, and, and let's spell that out very, very clearly. We'll talk real slow about this. It, <laughs> missionaries is that possible and, for the two of you? Missionaries and pastors. Are you done now? Okay. Missionaries and pastors are gifted in teaching, evangelism, and discipleship. Business people are typically gifted in administration, organization, finance, and management. Missionaries and pastors desperately need business people in their lives. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Business people desperately need missionaries in their lives. And it is a natural synergy that's formed between the skills that God has given the average business person and the skills that God has given the average pastor or missionary. And and, and that's what's been missing in the church for years. Because it's a rare rare event Mm -hmm. that a pastor is good at raising money and good at marketing. And it's rare that a business person's fantastic at evangelism and teaching and discipleship. If if we could go around the country and give that seminar, that's mm-hmm. a seminar I'd give everywhere we possibly could because that, that could revolutionize missions. If yes. the average person, most people think, well, I can't be a missionary. 
you know, I can't go to Zimbabwe, I can't go to Africa, I can't do those things. But everybody has a way they can help in ministry in some way. If we really understand that, we can revolutionize missions around the world overnight. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's just the way it works. So if people will get that vision and, and, and not be intimidated by that and realize, well, if he can do it, I can do mm-hmm. it. Um, I love to I love to see millions of Christians around the world realize you know what I'm going to do that this year I'm going to get involved in ministry somehow whether that's through my church or whatever else and just do something and it, it can be on your computer at night I don't travel around the world every day I do it once or twice a year um, but you don't have to do that just find a way within your world where you live and your skill set and what God's given you plug it and you'll find out your life will be so much more full. So really, a, a good way for to put feet on that is for people to go either to a mission that they already support, that they have a passion for, or right. go to their church and ask them for who they support that they can help out and make their skills available and right. make a partnership where you can say, you know, I love to create things on, you know, newsletters and things like exactly. that. Let me take their pictures and put things together because that takes so much oh, time yes. and it takes them away from the field right. of what they're called to do. You know, when I, when I support a ministry financially also, you know what I tell them? I say, you know, hey, listen, I'm going to support you, but don't ever worry about sending me anything to convince me to, to uh, mm-hmm. give again. Yeah, don't, don't put me on a mailing list or waste your mailing post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, I'm going to support you. I love you. Go do, go do your work. And guess what? That's what they do. And, and that's what I like to see us do is take away the burden on these guys in the field. They have right. so much burden the way it is. And, and let them do, like you said, what God called them to do. Well, and it doesn't have, you don't have to be a business leader. You don't have to be a business owner to do this. They need people that are good at Word, good at Excel. They need people that can answer phones. They get people that can type up memos. They need just need mm-hmm. supportive help. Some people just need help with bookkeeping. Exactly. Do, if you could do your checkbook at home, maybe you can help a missionary with their yep. checkbook because they don't hurt. First of all, they have to learn how to take a dollar and make it stretch like two fifty. That's right. And, and they need help with that kind of stuff. And you volunteering really takes the next generation. I, I want you to go back just to explain what's the persecuted church. And how are you helping them? The persecuted church is, you hear that term a lot, and basically it's it's an umbrella around the world. There's over 100 million Christians right now that live in some form of, of, of real persecution. It's not a matter of somebody teaching them at school. These are people that have their lives on the line. They're, they're, they're persecuted socially, economically by the governments. And I can give examples in, in Vietnam where we ministry. We've had pastors have been killed, and we minister to persecuted church. We have 200 pastors in prison right now for being Christians in Vietnam. So it's, it's, they're, they're, they suffer persecution at different levels around the world. Pakistan, I was there a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a tough place? <laughs> that is a 98% Islamic country. And we're supporting a, a group called the Marwari Christians over there. And I met, I met with the tribal leaders. And they, these guys can get shot. They can die any day. And it varies around the world. But our job is to go and assist them with their efforts. And, and by the way, what's neat about this is, well, first of all, it's eye-opening. Until you actually talk to individuals. I met with a lady in, in Hanoi, Vietnam, my first trip there. And she was a, a, the widow of a pastor who had been killed by the Vietnamese police, uh, which was denied by the government at the time. And she just told this story about what had happened. I'm like, we just don't have that happen over here. So if you understand what happens around the world and how good we have it, you realize, you know what, I need to go help in some way. Mm-hmm. And that can be from fundraising, for praying for these people. And by the way, when I travel around the world, they don't ask me for money. They say, pray for us. Mm-hmm. Just pray for us. If there's one thing you can do, pray that God protects us. But it's, it's a big deal around the world, and it's happening all the time. In, in America, we're kind of protected in our, coco- mm-hmm. our cocoon. This is happening every day around the world. We're, we're protected for now. We're not protected for long. It, it, that's, it, that, yeah. 
that's changing each other because yeah. the government, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff going against that's Christians true. today. I no mean, question. it's okay to be tolerant of everybody else, just not of the Christians. That's true. All right, listen, we're coming to the end of another I Work For Him show, but David, I want the conversation, we could have talked about this for hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours. What's the website where people can go out and find out more about the Clearwater Marine Aquarium? It is uh, seawinter.com. It's S-E-E-Winter.com. Uh, and it's uh, has all about our work. What we do, it talk, we're a nonprofit. It talks about what we do, the work we do. It talks about the dolphins we have, the activities we have. So, seawinner.com, and uh, you know, we're looking at maybe doing. Uh, we'll have more movies or TV shows coming out in the future. So we're not done yet. God, I don't think God mm-hmm. is, is done with the dolphin tail franchise yet. Well, so. well and the next time you got an exciting event going on at the Clearwater Marine Aquarium, at the end of the day, we can always do an on location show. Let's do it sometime. Absolutely. Let's all right, it. coming up on the next I Work for Him show, we have Paul and Jenny Speed with WIT Ministry. Whatever it takes. They'll be joining us as we talk about how you can get a seriously Christ-centered supernatural, how you can get serious Christ-centered supernatural help for a marriage in trouble in just one weekend right here in Tampa Bay. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.